are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Uh, this morning, the message is called, You've Drawn the Line, um, a Line in the Sand. And... Um, we know, that, we know that in the end that things are going to be just coming at us rapidly. And it just seems like even now, morale and society is changing at such a quick pace that it's like, Lord, where do we fit into this? How can we, how can we thrive when the rules seem to be always changing? In the last Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, general conference, that's where all the pastors of the POC get together throughout Canada, the issue of pastors drinking came to the table. Uh, currently, by the Constitution, we are to abstain from alcohol. Uh, I believe it says in the Constitution, um, we are to abstain from mood-altering substances. And um, with that, it came upon the floor to kind of strengthen that, that we will abstain and it would break up, instead of saying mood-altering substances, it broke up the alcohol place to, to put that in there. And a ratification came from the floor that we want to change that to not abstain from alcohol, but the responsible use of alcohol. And there was this movement uh, coming into the assemblies for pastors to be able to drink. Now, for some people here, it's like, hey, what's the big deal? You know, Jesus drank wine. It's, it's, uh, the Bible says just don't get drunk, that there's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible also says not to become a stumbling block to others. And there is the dispute. You know, there's a, a certain amount of POC ministers who stood at that place that says, we are being legalistic, we are being religious, by mandating that we are not allowed to drink. And there is another group of people saying, no, we're not. We are to hold a standard, and that standard is God's. And the discussion came around the table, and, and it kind of got to that place of heated. And then one of the persons around the table said, I'm on the Alberta district lead team, one of the representatives of the POC of Alberta, and they said, Lance, what do you think about this? Where, where do you lie because it's all done by secret ballot? So here's what I said. I said, you know what? It's our right to be able to have a drink if we so desire. The Bible is clear that drinking to the point of drunkenness is a sin, but it doesn't say anything about having the odd drink here and there. However, when I became a minister of the gospel, I agreed to lay down my rights. I agreed to lay down my agenda for the betterment of the kingdom. And I know that in my church personally, there are people who struggle with alcohol and I wish to be an encouragement to them and not a stumbling block. So I gladly lay down my rights as a believer, and I stand firm in the word knowing. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So as a believer of Jesus, you are so strong in your spirit that you are like the wise man who built his house upon the rock, or are you like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand? As this culture is changing and as it evolves, 
where do we need to stand as believers? Where do we need to stand in that place? The Bible says in Matthew 24, 12, talking about in the last days, it says sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. That's a, that's a scary scripture. You know, sin will be rampant in the last days and the love of many, people who loved well, will go on that cold side where it's like, Lord, you know what? It's my right to be able to have a drink. And I, and I want to be able to go down that road. It's my right to be able to do drugs. And you know what? I can do whatever makes me feel good. But we need to stand in that place and say, God, what do you have for us? I guess my question this morning is, how's your fire is it burning hot? Or do you find that you're starting to get to that place of lukewarmness? See, only you can answer that. I can see the outside, but God can look right in the heart. And this is not one of those legalistic messages where it's like, you better. This is one of those challenges that says, we better seek the Lord on everything that we do. We need to walk in that place because I think that the way that the world is going, we don't like criticism. When criticism comes, it's like, it's like all of a sudden somebody's speaking against what we believe and we tar start to own it and we become mad and we dig our heels in. And I wonder if that's the way that it was intended to be. We're living in different times. Times where we as believers, the, the opinions that we carry, our faith in Christ, our expression of love from a Savior, that loved the world so much that he sent his only son to die, to have relationship with mankind, has somehow become an offensive word. This came out this week from ABC News in Calgary. You can see it on the website. It says, schools should erase uh, old divides that force students into male and female roles. According to the new guidelines released Wednesday by the Alberta government that advised teachers to let kids choose which washroom they want to use, what name appears on the report card. A 21-page document introduced by the education minister, David Egan, advised educators that students should have the self-identifying when it comes to their gender identity and gender expression. Now, Calgary Bishop stood up against this and said that this is intolerable, is anti-Catholic, and now the Bishop Fred Henry is under fire from opposing LGBTQ guidelines for schools. And the Calgary School Board has backed the new Alberta gender rights rules. So what are these new rules? This just passed on Wednesday. Number one, students are allowed to pick their own pronoun. The guideline advises teachers to address each student by whatever name and pronoun that particular student chooses based on how the students self-identify. All of individuals have the right to be addressed by their chosen name and chosen pronoun that align with the gender identity or in gender expression. The document goes on to say that some individuals may not feel included in the use of a pronoun like he or she, and they may prefer an alternative such as ze, zir, here, they, or them, or might wish to express themselves or self-identify in ways as mix instead of Mr., Mrs., Miss, or miss. School staff are encouraged to use students' preferred names on a data basis, however, included on written report cards to refrain from attaching male or female to students' names in school records. Number two, boys 
play for boys or girls teams. As much as possible, the guidelines call for the elimination of separate activities for students based on gender. For example, the avoided structure cor uh, courses or activities based on gender-specific roles such as boys versus girls in academic, athletic, or, tal or ta talent competitions. This document states that when it comes to sports teams in particular, the guidelines says students should be given the opportunity to participate on the team that best reflects their gender expression. Number three, the use of female uh, washrooms, male washrooms, or neither. It should be up to the individual to choose whether they, what washroom they design for males or females according to the guidelines specifically. The document states that the schools should be able to access washrooms that are congruent with their gender identity. In addition, schools are advised to provide at least one non-gender stall washroom for use by any student who desires privacy regardless of the reason. Uh, number four, pick the change room that you prefer. When it comes to the change rooms, all students have rights to facilitate the meeting that identify their needs and privacy concerns. This includes a private area with a common change room or a separate area, such as a nearby washroom for students to use if they don't want to change with the group. Uh, and it kind of goes on. And number five, to establish a gay-straight alliance. Uh, it needs to be mandatory at any school where students want one. Schools are advised to support the establishment uh, the sports groups, again, you can read it all on uh, CBC. But that just came out in Alberta this Wednesday. It's pretty close to home. That affects each one of us. Catholic schools, public schools, anyone that is getting funding from the government has to follow that. And it's changing. So we as believers, we can sit here and go, that's awful. That's just, that's just terrible. You know, because again, we start to think, I've got two daughters, and all of a sudden, if, if a boy decides that he wants to change with them, that's his right to be able to go in there and change. But what about the rights of my daughters? You know, and as this is going, Cindy and I were talking about this, and Cindy did a little bit of research to be able to give you guys an outlet to be able to speak out against this, because again, we want us to be, we want us to know what is happening so we can have a voice. And I'm gonna ask Cindy to come and share. Hashtag I love you. Hashtag thanks. Okay, so there's a big thing going on, especially social media talking about this. So I really wanted to get to the bottom of it. And I'm telling you, it is confusing to find out what is actually happening, where is it, is this, is, is it done, decided, or is it in the middle? And I t when you start looking into it, and I, I just encourage you that when you see an article on Facebook, can you please check it out to see if it's just somebody's opinion, or has it actually been posted in a genuine newspaper? And so first thing I did was I called my kid's school, and I said, listen, I said very respectfully, I said, I love this school, I love what you're doing as a principal, and I said, our family prays for you in this school every day. I said, I want you to know that I have no issue with you or the staff. I said, but I want to know what does this look like in my kid's school. And they are obligated to, by March 31st, have a program in place, uh, a plan that they can submit. 61 school districts have to, by March 31st, say this is what our school's plan is. 
I said, okay. I said, then me as a parent of three kids at your school, I voice my opinion that when you're in conversations about this and you're coming up with your plan, I refuse to let my daughters or my son be in mixed change rooms. I said, so you can say that a parent called the school. And he said, thank you very much. I said, how many other parents have called you? He said, none. I said, okay. And he goes, I know there's a lot of people in this school who agree with you and who believe the same way that he does. He goes, but that doesn't help me. When I go to a meeting, I can't say, I know there are a lot of parents who feel this way. So unless you pick up a phone and actually call your kid's school and say, listen, I support you, I pray for you, but I want you to know this is my voice, okay? I called our MLA's office and I asked them, is this already in effect? And she said, no, it's presented. March 8th, it will be introduced as legislation, voted on, and she says, unless people oppose this, it will be carried. So Scott, um, what's his last name? Sear is our MLA for Cold Lake and uh, Bonneville. You must, you cannot just like someone's post who says they have a petition. That is, I looked into a petition. Petitions are very, um, basically pro to be disqualified. It has to be certain type, it has to be every page. You have, you know, people who do that out of the goodness of their heart, it's probably not gonna be worth the paper it's on. You need to call or email your office, your MLA's office, your name, your address, return number, and your statement that I am not fa in favor of this legislation. So that's up here for you. Um, this one right here is the Edmonton Journal article if you want to read more about it. So the Lord's been telling me, Cindy, what about the things you believe? How big is the gap from what you believe to what flows out of your life? And I thought to myself, like, like Lord, like, you know me. Like, I, I love you so much. Like, but, and I didn't feel he was condemning me. I, was, I believe he was saying, let's just look at this. And a lot of the things that we as Christians believe, unfortunately, there's a big gap from what flows from our life and what our beliefs are. Because we can say, you know what? I believe in God. I believe that Jesus is God's son. Oh, dear. The demons also believe that. Okay? So he's, he's challenging me. Because I'm not a big political person. That's why I was all week on the phone. I called David Yurdega's office. I called the MLAs. I'm looking for articles. I'm calling the school. Not because I'm so passionate about politics, because I don't have a clue. But I feel like God's saying, listen, our faith without works is dead. And, and, and maybe in Cold Lake, he said, you know what, Cindy? The principal says, this is really a non-issue for our elementary school. He goes, I don't see it being a problem. He said, and as it comes out, we will deal with it accordingly. And I said, you know what? I agree. I think it's a great school, but my problem is, what's the next thing that comes from that door? And he said, you're right. And he encouraged me to encourage people I know to just, you know, just do what we can. And so, yeah. When we hear these kind of things, we immediately, we don't want to be deemed as hate mongers. And too often we desire, we don't desire to rock the boat and stand out because we become targets of a verbal barrage. So we can live in fear of conflict because somewhere, somehow, having a difference of opinion has become a bad thing. 
I remember my music teacher when I was in high school, he used to shout out to the band every single time we practiced, come on guys, any dead fish can float downstream. And he's like, come on, do your best, stand out. Don't just give me wishy-washy, but, but, but give me absolute perfection. One of my kids were having a difficulty in school, and we had a meeting with the principal and the counselors, and we were discussing what the next step is. I made a comment, perhaps we should consider holding them back a grade and get a little, so they can get a little bit more under their belt, and that comment was not taken well. We were told that schools don't do that anymore because we don't want to hurt children's feelings. We want them to grow up with self-confidence and bold. We, we, we don't want the, that to affect their psyche. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, I don't want to do that to my kids. And then I got to thinking, I'm like, what is going to happen to this next generation when they hit the real world? We're so afraid of damaging our children and we're so afraid of not harming them that we try to coddle them. And, you know, our school gives out these little awards to kids. And I said, my kids bring home the award like, hey, you know what? Uh, you did most, most Jesus-like or something like that, right? And I said, wow, you got an award? That's awesome. They're like, yeah, everybody gets an award, though. They just, at different times, they just ki pick kids. I'm like, everybody? Like, I know when I was in school, in, junior, in, in uh, elementary school, I probably didn't deserve an award. You know, I, I got into a lot of trouble as a kid. And, and I'm sure that there's kids in my kids' classes who are more like me, who, who probably deserve uh, suspension more than an award, you know? And it's like, you know what? Hey, here's an award for you because you drew a stick figure. Way to go. And, and, and we, try to, we try to put a positive swing on everything because we don't like conflict. But we're teaching this generation that just to, just to everything's okay. You know what, don't, don't, don't worry, we love you, and, and you can do whatever you want, and you're going to be loved. And you know what, the truth of the matter is, is we live in a world that doesn't work that way. We're going go to go to work one day, and a boss is going to yell us, and, and what's going to happen, is that employee in the future going to sue the company because it's like, you know what, they hurt my feelings. You know, I showed, up, I showed up late seven days out of 12, and, and they, they yelled at me, so I'm suing them because I feel that I was wronged. And all of a sudden, they're going to win, and it's going to be crazy. My friends, as believers, do we appreciate conflict? See, the Bible says, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And we don't like to be sharpened. We don't like that, that grinding and that rubbing. And, and it's just like, oh, this, this doesn't feel good. It, it, it feels stressful. And, and, and when, we, when we fear conflict and we fight conflict and we just stand up and say, you know what, I have the right to do whatever I want to do. You know what, the Bible doesn't work that way either. We are believers in Christ. And you know what, it's that whole service that we spoke at the beginning of September about the priest and the king. There is a priest side that just oozes with grace that says, you know what, you messed up, but come to me. 
I will wash you and make you clean. I will create, I will make you that new creation. I will, I will help you to take captive of those thoughts and make them subjective to me. But there's also that, that king-sized that says, you know what? If you're neither hot nor cold but lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And I believe that in the end times, there are going to be people who fall away from the grace of God because we chose culture over kingdom. And we can talk to friends and say, you know what, I'm offended. I have a right to do this. And you know what, you might be in this room right now so ticked off at what I'm saying. Who is that guy to tell me that I can't sin? Who is that guy to tell me that, that I can't do this? You know what, the truth of the matter is, is when you stand before the Lord, and when I stand before the Lord, I have to make sure that, Lord, I followed through what you wanted me to do. And God, I didn't take the easy way out. It's easy. Man, I've got a month left here. It's so easy to give you great messages, to get you laughing, to get you in stitches. So that when you leave, it's just like, wow, that guy, was a, he was so fun. We're going to miss that. We laugh. We, we had fun in the presence of God. But there's also that side that says, you know what, Pastor? You need to give, speak the word. And you need to speak the word in love. And love is the most important thing. My friends, I'm not looking and pointing out at anybody this morning. For only God knows your heart. And the Bible says if we don't use love, it's like a clanging gong or a crashing cymbal. It's just white noise. I want you to know that I pray for every single one of you. And I love every single one of you. Some of you in this room have ticked me off over the years but I love you. And we need to walk in that place where it's just like, Lord, I want to be the man or the woman that you created me to be. And Lord, even though culture says yes, God, what does your word say? Because your word needs to be my foundation. That needs to be the plumb line, not just, not just polls or Facebook or opinions. I began thinking, where's the line? Lord, how can we walk in that place? And you know, I believe that the line is for each one of us to seek God and ask for divine wisdom. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. My friends, as society and culture changes... The word of God is going to remain the truth and it's going to remain the foundation. No wonder there's people who just want to get rid of the Bible or just take what you want and, and just say, hey, this is good, this is good. Ah, this is not important anymore. We need to seek the Lord and ask for wisdom on our daily lives. Let's pray. Father, I just pray, Father God, that you would grant each one of us in this room wisdom. Lord, you say in your word that he who asks for wisdom, let him come and I will give it to you in abundance. And Lord, we need it. We need to be able to stand firm. We need to be able to stand in your word. Lord, we need to be able to know what you have for us. 
And Father, I ask God that you download that to each one of our spirits. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. So we prayed for wisdom. Now let's read where true wisdom begins. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. That is an amazing statement. I believe that the fear of the Lord needs to come back into the body of Christ. A place where it's just like, he's God. Ananias and Sapphira, what happened? They decided, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. And they lied against the Holy Spirit, and both of them died. Do you think the fear of the God was in that room? The Lord never changes. He's the same God yesterday as he is today. And we can't just take what we want and just say, that's what it's going to be. That's what Ananias and Sapphira did. They're like, I'm going to give a portion to the church, but I'm going to lie to them and tell them that I gave it all. And all of a sudden, the Lord's like, that is not acceptable. And they both walked out in body bags. I guess they didn't walk out. They're both carried out in body bags. Having that foundation as the Lord of everything is where true wisdom comes from, but it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, a fool despises wisdom and discipline. discipline. Some other versions say instruction. It is a wise man who desires to walk with their best foot forward, and it is a fool that just says, take me how, this is how I am. Take it or leave it. This is just me. My friends, what are you posting on Facebook? What, are you, what f- step are you walking out on? Whoa, 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 Pastor, you're becoming judgmental. No! I'm telling you the truth. It's a fool that despises wisdom and says, I don't care. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. But it's a wise man that says, Lord, May you be the plumb line in my life. God, may you be the foundation. It's not judgment. It's walking in that place and saying, God, I need you to be the Lord of my life, not just a a side dish. I need you to be everything. Mark 14, 38 says, Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My friends, as a pastor, my flesh rises up and I've said things and I've done things that's just kind of like, I've blown it. Lord, that is not what you wanted me to do and I took the easy way out there, God. Forgive me. The flesh can be weak. It says, I don't like that. I don't like to be wrong. I don't like to be corrected. I want it my way. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 24, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Every single one of us in this room need to be dead men walking. Because when our flesh is crucified, when all of a sudden something happens, it's not like, man, that, that pierced me to the core. That hurts. Man, I'm going to rise up, and I, I'm just going to be angry at this person. Or I don't like this, and I don't like that. It's just like, God... I choose you, Lord. 
The flesh is going to get you into trouble every time. It's a daily renewal where we need to ask the Lord to walk with us, to renew our minds, and to keep us deep in the presence of God. Every single person in this room, God is crazy about you. And I love Romans 8 verse 1. Uh, what is that? There's no guilt nor condemnation through Christ Jesus. We can take such peace in that, knowing that the priest side is still very much active, knowing that the Lord is going to give us a second, a third, a fourth chance. We are, each one of us, disciples of Christ. Our goals are to look more and more every day like Him. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. I guess we have to ask ourselves, do we desire our ways, or do we desire his? You know, it's amazing. Everyone who I've talked to hates, and nobody ever eats at McDonald's. Yet somehow there's a sign there that says over billions served. You know, there's something about a Big Mac with extra pickles and extra sauce. Large fries and a Diet Coke. Like, let's keep it a little bit healthy, right? It's way more satisfying for me than a salad. I don't know who goes to McDonald's and orders a salad. If you do, bless you. I can't. It's like, would you, what, would you like fries with that or a salad? Well, what do you think? I want fries. Your fries are delicious. But the truth of the matter is, is however we all know what would happen if we said every single day, I'm going to eat whatever I want, as much as I want, because I am allowed to. Our bodies would go haywire. Correction in the body of Christ is very delicate. Yet each one of us in this room, we need it. Proverbs 27, uh, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, there's a key in there. It says a friend sharpens a friend. Like everything, there's a balance. I met someone once in Calgary who told me that their gift from the Lord was correction. I said, no, it's not. Nobody walks around just like, you know what? I see this in your life. 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 That's not God. But a friend. Oh, now there's a good friend. Come on up here, Randy. Randy Mizey is a friend of mine. I love Randy. And I can say to Randy, Randy, I just see this in your life. And I believe that you need to start praying about this, and it's time to probably take that out of your life. What do you say I stand with you? And all of a sudden, Randy knows in his heart of hearts that he may be ticked off with me, kind of like, you know what? I really like this in my life, and he's calling me on it, and there's that awkward moment, awkward. But yet, Randy knows that I love him, and he knows that I'm not being malicious, and I'm not being mean-spirited, and I'm not just coming against him because I've, I'm in a bad mood today, and I feel like walking over Randy, okay? Now, there's other people in this room who I've never said two words to in my life. I probably don't even know your name. 
And if I said the exact same thing to you, it wouldn't carry the weight because I'm not your friend. And immediately go to that place and it's just, it's just like white noise. It just falls on you, whatever. And if the very first thing that I say when I meet you is like, hey, how are you? Good, I'm Lance. By the way, this is wrong about you and you need to change this. It just, it doesn't work. Well, friends, love needs to be that foundation. Dennis Weedrick, and I've shared this before, told me, as a, Lance, as a pastor, you carry a big truck. Be awfully careful because that big truck can damage people. Always make sure that the bridge is strong enough to drive your truck over it before you do so. And there's wisdom in that. You know what? Sometimes we need to work on a relationship. And you know what? Maybe the first thing that I need to do is get to know you before I just say, hey, this is wrong. But in saying that, when it's a service like this, and I'm not speaking to individuals, I'm just speaking the truth. And whether you choose to walk with it and accept it, or whether you choose to throw it away, is completely your choice. Matthew 7, 3 says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? You know what? Each one of us have issues and items. Each one of us have things that we're working on. Man, I am there. I have things that are just like, Lord, I just want to be the guy that you're calling me to be, Lord. Why do I just keep getting dragged in? Why do I keep doing? Why do I... And we need to walk in that place just say, God, help me to exercise out of love. You know what? The Bible says that we're a peculiar people. There's a good chance that the person that you're sitting right beside now is, well, they're weird. They're peculiar. Yet we love them regardless of their numerous faults. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you even though you're weird. Amen? Gord, I love you, man, even though you're a weirdo. You can't say I love God, but I hate the church. The Bible says if you don't love those who you can see, how can you love me who you don't see? See, we don't get to draw a line in the sand. God does. Times are changing. Lawlessness will increase, yet that boldness for righteousness has placed, been placed inside of every one of us. We like comfort so much. Like, remember, we're a peculiar people. And let's just be honest here. And I know there's going to be people who are like this, and you're weird, but how many people love going to the gym and working out? Let me just see your hands. Good. Okay? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> How many people love going to the spa and being pampered? I think there's a few more hands doing that. Now, those people, everybody who said they love going to the gym, let me see your hands. Okay? Okay, keep your hands up for a second. Now, look around here. If I would give you 
one day and I said, all day long, we're going to put you through a regiment. We're going to work you out hard. And you would say, that is better than me saying, here's a gift package for a spa where we're going to get a massage and stuff. If you'd rather work out than have that day at the, massage, at the spa, keep your hand up. But if you'd rather take the, the spa, put your hand down. Okay, see, there's some extremely weird people. But, bless you, we're a peculiar people. But it shows what there's, there's a bunch of hands that went from four hands at the end that, yes, I would rather choose working out than a day in the spa. Everybody else would, give me the spa, man. You're going to massage me, pedicure, manicure, facial, I'm in. <laughs> you know, because it's easy. It's comfortable. It's heavenly. It's wonderful. Yet 1 Peter 2.9 talks about our destiny. It talks about who we are to the very core. Let's not forget it. But you're not like that. It says you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. You are God's own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Do you know as a believer, we can choose to stay in darkness? We can choose to say, you know what, I don't really care what you're saying. It's my rights. As a pastor, nobody in here has ever seen me come out of a liquor store. And that is not to be a feather in my cap, like, way to go, Lance. But I have done that because I want to set an example for every person in this room. I don't want you to stumble. When I grew up, we would have wine all the time. So alcohol is not foreign to me. And I know that there's different cultures in this room. In different cultures, wine and that kind of stuff is, is all just part of the culture. It's a non-issue. That's, that's fine. But as your pastor, I chose in the nine and a half years to set an example for each one of you. I've tried to be a support to help you because I know that there's people in this room who struggle with alcoholism. And I've prayed for you. I've fasted for you. And I've walked in that place where it's just like being a cheerleader for you from the side. Come on, you can do it. Where's the line? What is God calling you to? Is there something in your life that you're just like, Holy Spirit, I like this. It's comfortable for me. But Lord, I know that you have better things for me. In Christ, there is fullness of joy. That's where we get our everything. That's where we get our joy from the fountain, the living waters that flow from our bellies and just pour out in abundance. It's not rules. You have to do this. You better not do this. 
Man, that's a boring way to, that's a hard way to live. But it's relationship. God, what are you calling me to? And when all of a sudden that iron starts sharpening that iron and conflict starts rising up, are you a, a wise person who embraces it or are you a fool who despises it? Only you can answer that. God, you are calling us to be wise. You are calling us, Lord, to get into the presence of God and say, Lord, I want what you want for my life. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you, God, for each person in this room. God, we are sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Lord, we desire to be in your presence. And God, we desire to be so filled with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ that, Lord, we look like you more and more every single day. Lord, if we don't have somebody in our life who is challenging us, who is sharpening us, who is bringing us there, God, would you bring somebody into our lives that can hold us accountable, that can hold us to a higher standard. For Lord, as we read today, culture is changing. And Lord, people are going to say, you can do whatever you want and still know the Lord. It doesn't matter. But God, we cannot look of the, like the world before God. We are in the world, but not of it. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God set us apart for fellowship. And Father, I just ask that you prepare our hearts. In Christ's mighty name we ask it. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.